We are talking once again with Maria Tomchik, local writer and activist, here to give us a wrap-up of this past week's news. Good morning. Good morning. And good afternoon. And good afternoon. And <laughs> because good Bob evening. isn't here. Yes. <laughs> Well, and seeing as this, uh, we do re-air this show uh, three times during the week. Mm-hmm. Once in the morning, uh, once in the afternoon, and uh, once in the evening. So, you know, we've we're got all bases covered is what I'm saying. Yes. So, was a bit surprised this week to see something from Mayor Harrell and Dow Constantine regarding Mark Dones. Yeah, on Tuesday this week, it was actually Mayor Bruce Harrell and King County Executive Dow Constantine that announced to the public that uh, the King County Regional Homelessness Authority CEO, Mark Dones, uh, is resigning. And um, I think it was pretty clear from the outset of Mayor Harrell's administration that Mark Dones wasn't popular with the mayor's office. I think for one thing, uh, Mark Dones, who who uh, uses the pronouns they and them, uh, I think for one thing, Dones wouldn't wear a suit and tie and be a, an executive type person at the various meetings that he had with uh, mayors and uh, and uh, the city council and King County Council. And that put a lot of people off. <clears throat> I think for another Dones didn't appear to have the skills to get the contract process under control. And we talked about that a little bit last week, uh, how the renewal of con- of, of contracts with uh, the nonprofits that are providing services and shelter to the homeless population, those contract renewals have, were late last year and they're late again this year, which makes it extremely hard for those nonprofits to pay the bills. They can't get their contract renewed in a timely manner and can't get their, their invoices paid quickly. That's made him very unpopular with those nonprofits. And they're the folks who are doing the bulk of the work in sheltering the homeless and trying to get them off the street. So that was a bad sign. Also, I think Dones has burned some bridges at the Seattle City Council for criticizing and resisting <clears throat> the council's efforts to fund more tiny house villages. That's the one form of shelter that's been shown uh, to have the most promise in getting people off the street. Mm-hmm. It's got the best record for getting people off the street, and it's one that's very popular among homeless people because it provides them uh, um, um, an amount of privacy that most other shelter options don't. Um, and it's also one that's been supported by many city council members from Andrew Lewis on the who heads up the uh, the committee that uh, oversees homelessness issues to Shama Sawant, who regularly has proposed increased funding in the in the city's budgets year after year for more tiny house villages. <clears throat> but I think the most controversial thing that Dones did was to tell the truth when it came to how much money that they thought it would take to house everyone who's living on the streets in King County. Dones was deeply criticized for proposing a $25 billion five-year budget for the King County Regional Homelessness Authority, which was more than double what the 2020 McKinsey report had estimated. That report had estimated about 10 to 12 billion, not 25 billion. Uh, nor did it appear that Dones had the skills to talk other cities within King County into contributing some funding and signing on to the agency's mission. Now, a regional homelessness authority should be truly regional. And so far, 
the only folks to really contribute much in the way of funding is the city of Seattle, Seattle city government and the King County government and the uh, other cities within King County. Some of them very large, like Bellevue, for example, uh, or Kirkland. Some of them with lots of resources could be contributing more to the regional homelessness authority, but they're not really contributing anything. So Dones is stepping down and the deputy CEO, Helen Howell, will take over while the governing board starts a search for a new CEO for the agency. And that will probably take at least until the end of the year, if not longer. In the meantime, Seattle City Council member Andrew Lewis, who sits on the governing board, as well as on the Seattle City Council's homelessness committee, is, is the chair of that committee, announced this week that he'll propose a resolution to require that the interim CEO of the Regional Homelessness Authority begins making regular monthly reports to the board and setting performance metrics and specific goals for the agency. That's one of the demands that was recently made by the nonprofits who wrote an open letter to the uh, to the governing board asking that changes be made to the contracting process, but also some other changes. This was one of the, this was one of the big ones to the agency itself. One of those goals will, uh, I think one of those goals will undoubtedly be to fix the delays with reviewing and improving contracts and with paying invoices to nonprofits while they're going through, you know, uh, the, uh, nonprofits had requested that 80% of their invoices be paid up front and the remaining, you know, 75 to 80% and the remaining 20 to 25% could be paid after the invoices had been reviewed and approved by the agency to kind of tackle that huge backlog in paying invoices and getting money out to the nonprofits who are trying to do the real work. Now, Jones, I should remind folks, was originally selected and hired to run the agency about two years ago, uh, but their experience was in policy-related issues and organizing, not in setting up and running a big public agency, which is a skill set that is very different from uh, lobbying and uh you know, formulating policy and helping existing organizations to become more equitable and more diverse. Jones was the governing board's second choice, actually, after Regina Cannon, who was the chief equity and impact officer at the consulting group C4 Innovations, turned down the job. And she turned down the job just a couple of weeks after it was offered to her and gave no real explanation as to why. Of course, at the time, King County Council member Kathy Lambert hinted that she thought she knew why uh, Regina Cannon turned down the job. And she thought that divisions between Seattle and the suburban cities within King County over how to tackle homelessness may have been the key issue behind Cannon's refusal to take the job. So that this issue of the city of Seattle being the only city within King County who is contributing funding, I think Kathy Lambert could see that. And Regina Cannon, their first pick for CEO, could probably see the writing on the wall and say, I'm not getting into that. It just, to her, at least, a regional homelessness authority sounded like it was a non-starter. Okay. There have been many critics here within the city of Seattle who have also said the same thing, including 
at least two of us here <laughs> on Eat the Airwaves that a regional homelessness authority is probably not going to fly. So, And, of course, at the time, there were no other candidates under consideration. Cannon was their first pick. She would have been a great person, but I don't know if she would have been able to do a much better job than than Dones has. In, in terms of uniting the cities within within King County, whether she would have done a better job at getting the uh, uh, issues with contracting and paying invoices under control. I don't know about that either. Mm. So certainly unreasonable expectations of what a regional agency could get done, you know, what it would cost and where the money would come from. Uh, those are those are all things that are still existing problems with the way the organization is currently set up and, and is running. So we'll see what happens if uh, it becomes difficult to find anyone in the search process. And uh, Howell decides she wants to resign, too, because she can't do any better job than Dones did. Then we may be back to square one with the regional authority dissolving and all of that money coming back to the city of Seattle to take it back in-house in the human services department. We'll see how that goes. Yes, we will. So uh, Friday, that May 19th, was the deadline for candidates to file their declaration of candidacy with King County elections to get their name on the ballot for the August 1st primary uh, here in the city of Seattle. All seven city council geographic districts are up for election, um, but not the two at large, District 8 and District 9. Those, uh, those along with the uh, election for mayor and city attorney, those alternate uh, even years with the, with the uh, seven city council geographic districts. As of Friday evening, um, I took a look at the Seattle Ethics and Elections website. It shows a wide range of candidates in each district for city council. The fewest are four candidates in District 4, where Alex Peterson announced he won't run for re-election. And the most are 11 candidates in District 5, where Council President Deborah Juarez is also not running for re-election. So, uh, and uh, that that district is not alone in drawing what what could be a really unreasonably high number of candidates. There are nine candidates in District 1, also in District 3. Both Lisa Herbold and Shama Sawant are not running this year. So naturally, their races drew a lot of candidates, but nine seems like a lot. (laughs) There are six candidates, each in both District 6 and 7, where incumbents Dan Strauss and Andrew Lewis are running for re-election. And five candidates in District 2, where incumbent Tammy Morales is also up for re-election. So let's talk a little bit about who the front runners are so far. Things can change, but uh, here's where they stand right now. In District 1, the front runners are tech executive and Bruce Harrell supporter Rob Saka, uh, social worker Preston Anderson, and environmental and labor activist Marin Costa. I just want to make a point of disclosure here. I gave half of my democracy vouchers to Preston Anderson. So just so uh, folks who are listening know that. Uh, I also should point out, too, that Bruce Harrell has mentioned that he is uh, pushing for a slate of candidates that he supports, openly supports, and is helping them to manage and 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 uh, 
uh, helping to and helping by sort of, you know, doing press conferences with and and giving his endorsement to certain candidates this year. And I think he's got his eye on a on at least one candidate in each city council race in District one. I think that person is Rob Saka. I'm not sure yet, though. But Saka was a big supporter of Bruce Harrell, voted for him and uh, talked him up. So I'm sure that he's going to probably be Harrell's selection in D1. In District 2, incumbent Tammy Morales is the leader, but also close behind her is Tanya Wu. Wu announced her candidacy in mid-February. She's a business owner who led the opposition to a new homeless shelter in the International District and the surrounding neighborhoods. So she is appearing to be a conservative, business-friendly, pro-police opponent to Tammy Morales. And I'm guessing she's also rubbing elbows with the mayor to be his candidate of choice in District 2. Uh, in District 3, which is the district that Shama Sawant is retiring from, uh, Joy Hollingsworth, another pro-police candidate and a huge supporter of Mayor Bruce Harrell, is in the lead in terms of fundraising. Alex Hudson, who is the director of the Transportation Choices Coalition, though, is catching up in the fundraising gap category. And then in a more distant third place is Andrew Ashiofu, the co-chair of the Seattle LGBTQ plus commission. And uh, another point of disclosure here, I gave the other half of my democracy vouchers to Andrew Ashiofu so that you know. Uh, what I think about the candidates in that race <laughs> in uh, District Four, the district that the district seat that Alex Peterson is giving up after one term. Kenneth Wilson, who lost against Teresa Mosqueda in 2021, is the leader in fundraising terms. He's also a running a, running a uh, law and order campaign again, and my guess is he is also probably on the list uh, on the slate for for uh, the mayor's support. Now, the progressive urbanist Ron Davis is in second place with about half the amount of campaign funds that Wilson has. So if you're thinking about who you might give your democracy vouchers to, that uh, could be a good choice, particularly if you are in District 4. Also running as another business-backed candidate, Maritza Rivera. Rivera could also be in the running for, for support from the mayor's office. Now, the socialist uh, student graduate student candidate, Matthew Mitnick, has bowed out of that race in District 4, for those of you who are hoping that a uh, far-left person would run in, in D4. Uh, that was a bit disappointing. In District 5, the one that has 11 candidates, uh, that's the district. I should also remind folks where Council President Deborah Juarez currently holds the seat. She she won't be running for re-election. Uh, among those 11 candidates, there's one front runner. That's Nilu Jenks, who supports alternative public safety models, which means not just throwing more money into the police department, but is otherwise running kind of a middle-of-the-road campaign. Uh, the there's uh, two other candidates in that race, Shane McComber, who supports social housing and expanding the pea patch program, but hasn't come out with a much a, a very diverse platform yet, is running a distant second. And then a newly declared candidate, 
who uh, will see how much money she starts to collect. Former King County Superior Court Judge Kathy Moore is in third place, and she's running a straight-up law and order campaign. So uh, as of yet, I, I'm not sure which one the Herald administration supports, but I'm guessing that they would probably be leaning towards Kathy Moore in that race. But we'll see if Moore can catch up in the fundraising department. Also, I'd like to see Shane McComber come out with uh, a, a bigger platform. I don't think it would be unreasonable for uh, the Herald administration to support multiple candidates within a single mm-hmm. district. Yeah, and and Nylee Jenks appears to me to be very much going after the folks who supported Deborah Juarez and trying to, you know, uh, play play up diversity issues and uh, but also still be a bit business friendly as well and uh, could easily draw support from the Herald administration. Now, in District 6, that's uh, northwest Seattle, incumbent Dan Strauss is, obvi- is the obvious front runner with a challenger, though, in Pete Hanning, another uh, pro-police candidate. Uh, he's in a distant second place. He has about half of Strauss's Strauss's campaign funds at this point, and uh, we'll see how Hanning does in that race. That'll be, I think, a vote on whether or not Dan Strauss has been able to kind of uh, walk the walk the tightrope of uh, private homeowners within his his uh, fairly wealthy district when it comes to things like homelessness, uh, homelessness encampments, uh, rezoning issues, and and other things. Since he's been the chair of the land use committee on the city council, which makes decisions about zoning policy mm-hmm. and uh, where 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 multifamily housing can be built, that's a huge issue in his district. And then in my district, District 7, Andrew Lewis is the is the front runner far ahead of everyone else in fundraising terms, which is why I didn't give him my democracy vouchers. I figured he'd do just fine on his own. But then uh, a candidate jumped into the race late in that district that I couldn't think could be a big challenger for him. That's Olga Sagan, the owner of the restaurant Poroshki Poroshki. She announced recently that she's running in District 7. She's been a big conservative critic of how the city council is tackling homelessness, and she temporarily closed her business during the pandemic, citing high crime, graffiti, and other, quote-unquote, public disorder problems downtown. She's been very vocal, and uh, she could draw a lot of downtown business support as well as the support of the Herald administration, although I would – She's been the poster child in the media for um, yeah. issues for the downtown core. Oh yeah, she's been very, very vocal about that. So we'll see who the the who the mayor chooses in that race, since he uh, Andrew Lewis has been really careful to try to maintain good relationship with the mayor's office, at least with the mayor's aides who come to city council meetings. I, I don't Bruce Harrell as which I think is typical of his time when he was on city council. Bruce Harrell has not made many appearances before the city council himself. He's from my experience of him, he hates meetings and gets very, and gets very, for, for someone who has to sit in a lot of meetings, like a city council member and a mayor, he appears to me to be the wrong person to, to, to be doing that kind of a job. But, uh, his aides appear to be very competent when it comes to sitting in meetings and participating in meetings. And Andrew Lewis has been really careful to maintain a good relationship with those folks. 
even though Lewis is a, uh, he still has progressive credentials. So we'll see who, uh, Mayor Harold decides he likes better, Andrew Lewis or Olga Sagan in that, in that, uh, race. Mm. So that's kind of an overview of who's running in each district. It'll be interesting to see when, uh, folks, when, uh, those candidates start doing their, their candidate, uh, their candidate, uh, forums, what kind of issues, and as people get their websites updated, which issues they, uh, come out for and against, how they, how they present themselves, and, uh, who they draw their funding from. So I'll be looking at that as the races get closer to August 1st, who the main donors are for some of these folks, so we get an idea of who has backing from big business versus nonprofits versus labor unions versus a lot of small donors or or a lot of uh, donors who give the maximum. All right. And then also uh, the deadline for the county council candidates is coming up too. the entire candidate list will be available May 24th. But uh, the candidates that have announced already, I should point out that in District 2 and District 6, so far there are there are no challengers for the two incumbents in those uh, districts. Girme Zahile is running unopposed so far in District 2, and Claudia Balducci is running unopposed in District 6 so far. That could change, but uh, it's getting a little late for new candidates to jump in. Uh, in District 4, in the seat vacated by Jean Cole Wells, there are three candidates, Becca Johnson Poppy, She's the budget and policy manager for King County. Poppy has garnered endorsements from Lisa Herbold, Nick Licata, and 36th District Rep Liz Berry. She's running on a three E's platform, environment, equity, and the economy, which is uh, kind of interesting when you start reading the details of her platform. I, I read those. I'm like, yeah, I could support that. Uh, the second candidate is Jorge Barone, the executive director of the Northwest Immigration Rights Project. He's been endorsed by Teresa Mosqueda and Pramila Jayapal. I, I haven't seen his, uh, I haven't seen his platform yet, but he also looks like he could be a really good candidate as well. And then the third candidate, also an excellent candidate in this race, Sarah Reinveld. She's the assistant state attorney. She's an assistant state attorney general. She serves on the King County Women's Advisory Board. She's been endorsed by Attorney General Bob Ferguson, Public Lands Commissioner Hillary Franz, and several county council members, including Girme Zahale and Jean Cole Wells, who's the incumbent, who was uh, the person who currently holds this seat. Um, so, and and then many many other elected officials. Uh, Sarah Reinveld ran against Liz Berry for uh, the third as 36 district rep. So of course, Barry wouldn't endorse her as, as being a former imp opponent, but uh, Reinveld also appears to be an excellent candidate. As we get closer to election, that's going to be a district race where if you're in that district, you're going to want to watch a candidate forum and really closely, maybe more than one, really closely evaluate what those candidates say and whether you think they know the critical issues in King County in your district, uh, because that could be a really close race and a tough decision. Now, in, dis in District 8, which is the uh, fourth and final uh, King County Council District that's up for re-election, it's a seat that's going to be vacated by Joe McDermott. There are also three candidates, 
two that are that are very good will eliminate good space guy <laughs> right off the bat uh the 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 two leading candidates are Sophia Aragon she's the mayor of Burien she was chosen by her fellow Burien city council members to serve as mayor that's how the mayor is chosen in Burien uh back in 2021 She's also a registered nurse who is the executive director of the Washington Center for Nursing. Uh, I have not seen a detailed platform from her yet. Still a, a little bit early in the race, but she could be a good candidate. She can cert, she certainly is well liked by the other Burien City Council members. But I think the candidate that everybody is considering the, the leading candidate in that race is Teresa Mosqueda, who's a current city council member who has chaired the budget committee and worked really hard on both the Jumpstart payroll tax, uh, a new source of funding for the city of Seattle to pay for affordable housing and other priorities. And also she's worked really hard on pro-labor ordinances here in in the city of Seattle. She's been very popular as a city council member. She's known for her ability to work with a, a large variety of folks from both sides of the spectrum, of the political spectrum, uh, and uh, lots of different groups. So she is widely viewed, I think, as the leader, as the leading candidate in that race. So that wraps up uh, a look at the uh, city and county council races. All right. So this week, the state legislature met in a special session to pass a bill that would replace the felony drug possession law that was overturned in 2021 by the state Supreme Court. The legislature passed uh, in 2021 an emergency temporary bill that expires in June of this year. And since they didn't pass a new law in the regular session this spring, Governor Inslee called them back to Olympia and said, hey, try again, because if the temporary bill expires without a replacement, then each local jurisdiction within the state of Washington can then pass its own drug possession bill, which would lead to a patchwork mess of bills with different penalties and different uh, requirements throughout the state. So the Democratic majority in the House and Senate in Washington, passed a bill this week that rejected a harm reduction approach, unfortunately, which uh, meant, of course, that many Seattle Democrats voted against it, including progressives Bob Hasegawa, Emily Alvarado, Nicole McCree, Sharon Tomiko Santos, Daria Farivar, and Chapalo Street, among others. Um, it classifies drug possession as a gross misdemeanor and leaves it up to local prosecutors to decide whether to uh, bring criminal charges. It does limit jail time to 180 days for the first two convictions. That's six months for drug possession with 364 days of jail time for any additional convictions. That's a year just for drug possession. If fines are limited to $1,000 per conviction. The bill does contain incentives for local jurisdictions to offer pre-arrest deferral and post-conviction diversion programs in lieu of jail time, but there's no requirement that they implement those, so it's not required. Disturbingly, it also contains a provision that allows local jurisdictions to outlaw or limit harm reduction programs. Um, Also, the state has to issue press releases each time it opens a new methadone clinic or opioid treatment facility, which could lead to more local jurisdictions uh, passing laws to ban those in their communities. 
And the bill says that drug convictions can only be vacated if the convicted person, uh, this is for drug possession, okay, if the convicted person enters a drug treatment program and completes six months without using. In other words, it's compulsory treatment and abstinence program uh, attached to this bill. Yeah. Uh, already, local jurisdictions are starting to propose similar laws. On Tuesday, Seattle City Council members Sarah Nelson and Alex Peterson joined with conservative city attorney Ann Davison to announce that they would revise the bill that they had proposed in April to combat public drug use. Their original bill would have made it a misdemeanor with up to 90 days in jail. Their new bill will be more in line with the six months jail time in the state bill and include compulsory treatment. So uh, the state legislature taking in order to appease Republicans, taking a huge step back from the harm reduction approach that most drug treatment experts recommend that you use to deal with uh, simple drug possession and drug use. Wow. So some really bad news there. Um, The one kind of good piece of news and all that is that the bill does decriminalize the possession of certain drug paraphernalia like syringes, for example, for folks who are undergoing uh, methadone treatment or a, or are in a harm reduction program that uh, a local jurisdiction supports. So that is the one good piece of news. But overall, it's a pretty dismal bill. Yeah. Maybe time for uh, maybe time for citizen initiative process to get under gear. Yeah, time for lots of changes. <laughs> or maybe using that maybe using that as a, a prime screening question when it comes for uh, legislative races, future legislative races. How would you vote on a, on a new drug possession bill? Would you propose a new drug possession bill? What would it contain and how would you vote on it? Okay, so that wraps it up for this week.